And greetings. Thank you so much for joining us today, right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And we love to have you on board. We'll be having our guest coming on in a little while about her beautiful new book called The Culinary Pharmacy. But first, I'd like to thank all of you listeners. We have you know, around 400,000 downloads that we can see. There are probably even more, so we really appreciate that. We have been doing The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z since the inception of this broadcast network, Progressive Radio Voices, which is Gary Knoll's network. And we've been doing regular radio shows called The Natural Alternatives, Health Education, and also Herbally Yours since 1987. So these have been on a very long time. And we love the fact that natural medicine is becoming more and more popular. We actually, I ran the Holistic Center for the Corsello Center for Holistic Studies for 23 years in the 1980s. So dealing with things on a natural level is not new to me and Dr. Z. But what we love to do is educate you both how you can use natural medicine for yourself and your family and also, if you're interested in being a natural healthcare as part of your professional life, that's another thing that we love to do. So the best way to find out about that is just go to naturalnurse.com. And at naturalnurse.com, you can see many of the classes that we offer, the books that we have, and a lot of our other offerings. For instance, coming up, very soon at Natural Nurse is a class called Natural Nurse Herbal Certification Course. And that's one of my favorite classes because it really brings people into the realm of being an herbalist. And if that means to you just for yourself and your family, learning about how to use natural medicine, that's fine. Or if you're a professional, such as a nurse, massage therapist, a licensed acupuncturist, a licensed nutritionist, an RD, which is a registered dietitian. These are people who have licenses. Our classes offer CE units. In fact, this class has 18 CE units that any professional can use towards moving forward with re-registering their license or getting the license for the first time. But you don't have to be a licensed professional to take it. If you are, you can get CE units. Even if you're not, you still get a certificate. So if you go to naturalnurse.com under classes, you will see that we have a free class coming up in February. And that is called question and answer session about the natural nurse herbal certification course. So anyone can come on and we'll deeply describe what we're going to learn during the course. And you can register for the class already. It's a four class series. And that really starts in March where we dive in because so much of the country, not here in Florida where I am, but much of the country like my New York home for the summer, um, the plants are really out in their largest proportion in the summer. So we have four classes as part of that series. One is called the basics of herbal medicine. And in the basics of herbal medicine, you learn to talk like an herbalist. What's the difference between an extract and a tincture, for example? A lot of people don't know that, even if they call themselves herbalists, and they really should know that. What's a cologogue? What is the language of herbal medicine? And learning about some of the wonderful nutritional components in, in plants and also the poisonous components in plants. You do need to know both types. And then we have a class called botany and botanical nomenclature. And in that class, we do talk about plant parts. What's the difference between a compound leaf and a single leaf? And what are the different kinds of barks you might see on a tree? Just to help in terms of you recognizing plants, we do a lot of outside herbal identification in this class. We actually go outside, although the class is virtual, it's live online and we go outside, actually look at plants and identify them. And you do have homework, that's one of your assignments, to start looking around at the plants outside your door 
and learning to identify them because so many of them are edible and medicinal and some of them are poisonous. All of them you want to know. Something like poison ivy is considered poisonous and yet it's highly medicinal. It's made into a homeopathic called rust tox, which is specifically an excellent remedy, especially for people who have something called rheumatism, like if they're laying in bed and then they get up and they're stiff when they get up, that's a perfect thing to use, rust tox, which is a homeopathic of poison ivy. But you do need to know what poison ivy looks like if you're going to be in the field collecting your own edible and medicinal plants. Then we have a class called Using Herbs for Yourself and Your Family. And that's how you can have a protocol, develop a protocol if someone has an issue. For instance, me, myself, currently have a torn meniscus, which is a physical kind of injury. And there is a specific way to heal it nutritionally, different applications, arnica, gel, et cetera, um, using comfrey tea. There's so many things you can do to help that situation. And the pharmaceutical industry has basically nothing except non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which have such a long list of devastating side effects that it's not worth it if you balance, you know, the pain or the rebuilding of the cartilage, which actually that doesn't help because it causes leaky gut syndrome and makes it worse. So completely the wrong therapeutic in conventional medicine and completely the right therapeutic in natural medicine. And you can learn those by taking using herbs for yourself and your family. And then we have a, a class called Feeling the Consciousness of Plants. And in that class, we talk about specific techniques that you can use. And we also have activities that you do to communicate with your plant allies. And I mean, those plants are individuals. That plant that is outside your door, that's an individual entity that you are communicating with, whether you know it or not. Probably if you're listening to this show, you know you're communicating, but there are ways to enhance that, like projecting your consciousness to the roots, which is the brain of the plant rather than the flowers and the leaves. You want to get into the consciousness of the plant. So we have so many classes. Another thing we have is called Natural Nurse Academy. And in Natural Nurse Academy, we have about 100 different very specific classes. Like, do you want to know what to use for eye health or memory or pain or anything in particular? We have classes on that. And those classes are specific to an issue. And you can take the class. You get all the handouts, all the PowerPoints, as well as a little homework assignment so that we interface beyond you taking that class. And it gives you three CE units. The big whole class gives you 18 CE units. The small classes give you three CE units to any professional with a license. Although again, anyone can take it. You don't need a license to take the class. We also have, if you go to naturalnurse.com and look at products, you can look at our books as well as our electromagnetic field deflecting devices. But we have written 16 books and they're all there with links to easily get them. One is on arthritis, the alternative medicine definitive guide. One is on weight loss, which is always a big topic this time of year. And then we have the natural medicine chest. And we have a book called The Natural Guide to Great Sex. We have one called Cycles of Life, Herbs for Women, which is all about women's health issues. Keys to Virility and Vitality, and another book called Supplements for Pain. So all of those are also available, as well as a wide range of free podcasts. Of course, you can download this podcast, The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. Um, you can get it in your podcast, whatever it is that you get, with uh, wherever you get your podcast. Let's put it that way. I know something that I got an email from Google telling them they're not going to have the Google podcast app available anymore. You know, that's like more language that I don't actually understand, but I'll share that with you. But I guess you'll be able to get it all on a, um, a YouTube app or some kind of thing like that. Anyway, that's beyond my expertise, but knowing about herbs is my expertise. And today we're going to have on our show as our guest, Lisa Mays, that's M-A-S-E. And she's a board certified holistic nutritionist and a registered health and nutrition coach, 
coach, and she is an herbalist, intuitive eating coach, food sovereignty activist, and poet. Um, the name of her organization is called Harmonized Living, which is a wellness coaching practice. And we also are going to talk about her beautiful new book, The Culinary Pharmacy, Your Recipe for Vibrant Health. So thank you so much for joining us today, Lise. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Now, this book is so beautiful. It's got a wonderful cover. What made you decide to pick this as your topic to present your book on? This topic truly feels for me like a culmination of my life's journey up until this point of mid Well, let's stop you right there because we have all the way a whole hour to talk. And sometimes you only get a sound bite on a lot of shows. But let's stop there and go back in time and tell us about the little girl, Lise. What led you into being focused on this kind of path? I am truly blessed to have grown up in Italy in a large family that was and still very much is focused on food as medicine, seasonal eating, and herbal medicine. So I grew up with my many cousins and my grandmother uh, foraging and wild crafting in the woods, um, harvesting medicinal and choice edible mushrooms harvesting different berries to make different herbal preparations, and then gleaning food from, you know, nearby orchards or nearby farms, as well as growing our own food, which we then transformed into lacto-fermented vegetables and all kinds of different preparations to help not only keep us healthy, but truly enjoy the bounty of our environment. And when I came to the States, I really became aware of what a huge blessing that upbringing was and immediately wanted to share that with others who seemed disconnected from their sources of nourishment and their own ancestral wisdom around nourishment and health. Well, that's a wonderful start. Similar to mine, my grandmother, who was from Greece, um, did was my original herbal teacher, and she also was a psychic. She read tea leaves, and she was the village midwife and delivered babies, which I delivered 200 babies during home births in the 1970s. And also with her, learned many of the same things you're talking about in terms of herbalism and using food and ritual as medicine. Because, of course, in those days when she grew up, um, there wasn't really any pharmaceuticals. So a lot of people did have this knowledge, which not only seems to be being lost, it is also specifically being repressed. Absolutely. I love knowing that about you. It's so beautiful. My second baby was a home birth and it was such a gift. And I think something people might not always realize is that a lot of pharmaceuticals actually mimic the compounds in plants and in nature. And it was a big shift about a hundred years ago in the medical system to focus more on research and more on pharmaceuticals and less on this kind of traditional knowledge that truly is our birthright, no matter where we're from. And it is important to learn more, to revive that information and those tools because as you say they are being suppressed and ironically the medical system is overburdened and doesn't necessarily have the capacity to support patients in the way that they need to be supported to maintain health and health through a connection with nature which is ultimately who we are right we're not separate from nature we are we are part of the natural environment. Well, I love the cover on your book. I just want to say one thing um, because I'm a little confused because it says Lisa, L-I-S-A, on the cover of your book. But is your name L-E-E-Z-A your first name? So in Italian, a single S sounds like a Z. Think okay. power of Pisa, Lisa. 
So oh. I write my name out phonetically when I'm meeting with folks so that people pronounce it correctly. So what might look like Lisa Mace in the United States sounds like Lisa Maze in Italy. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for because I was like, uh oh, I have it wrong <laughs> because my um director here on the radio show wrote it out L E E Z A. So I just want to correctly state your name. So you you like to have it pronounced Lisa. Lisa Maze. That's right. Okay. That's what anyone in Italy would call me. Yeah, oh, that's that's a great explanation. And you have some really amazingly beautiful pictures of different foods on the cover. But what do you mean by culinary pharmacy? I truly mean what I believe you all at Natural Nurse are teaching, which is that food is our medicine if we allow it to be that. And not every food that's considered healthy or medicinal even is right for every body at every moment. So we need to understand a little bit more about not only what our bodies are asking for in terms of nourishment, but also what kinds of nourishment, what kinds of foods are pre-programmed into our DNA genetically to be most digestible for us most beneficial for promoting health and vitality. With that, we can start to create our own culinary pharmacy, right? Our own collection of ideal foods that help us to maintain health and restore health after something like an illness. And that, I believe, is our own unique culinary pharmacy. It's that collection of foods and herbs that help us to thrive. And it looks a little different for everyone because we're all bio-individuals and it looks a little different at different times of life because the body is always changing. And that's, that's important to remember. And that's why this book is a tool that you can revisit time and again through life's changes to adapt your culinary pharmacy to what's going on in the moment. And your illustrations in the book are just beautiful. So we'll talk about some of these very specific things that, that you sharing in this beautiful book, The Culinary Pharmacy, Your Recipe for Vibrant Health. But I just want to throw out, because another hat that I wear is regulatory, because many new herbalists are starting out and offering products, wonderful products to the world, um, until they get a visit by the FDA or FTC, either right to their home yeah. or on their website. And it's very, very unfortunate. But the, the word pharmacy, you can use it on this book because you're teaching. But let's say someone decides to open a little store, which it would be a great name for, you know, the <laughs> culinary pharmacy where they're, yep. you know, selling foods that are anti-inflammatory and all the beautiful foods you talk about in here. However, in most states, that would be highly illegal. Because using the word pharmacy, you have to prove that you have a, a pharmacist license and that your facility is a licensed pharmacy, believe it or not. I know a lot of herbalists and also herbalists who have used the word apothecary. Like, you know, they set up a little store and they call it an apothecary until they have been visited by the state regulators and slapped a huge fine. And then they're the money they sent on their sign and everything else is a big headache. So I'm just saying, you know, it's it's a wonderful name of a book and very true. I just wouldn't use that on the name of a store. That's it, because that opens the door to those regulatory nightmares that we would all like to avoid. But you're so right, Lisa, like I love the way your book really outlines something that's specific to an individual. And, and how they can use specific foods to help their situation. That's right. And it's very personal, right? It's not a store. It's not a one-stop shop. It's so much about listening to our bodies and paying attention to what's happening, not only inside our bodies, but also in the environment around us, right? Our own personal sources of nourishment and food and herb pharmacies are going to change as 
our environment changes and they're also going to change as you know what's available in nature around us is changing because of the climate changing that's true too and and that's happening rapidly rapidly for, you know here in south florida we didn't used to have a million of many of these animals that we have here now so yeah. and then they're eating the plants that used to be something that would would occur locally so that no longer occurs locally so you can just watch it change right out your window that's right same in vermont i've been here for 25 years i would never have dreamed that we would have zero snow on january 2nd but here is that true that is true my sister lives in weathersfield vermont Yes. So that's a little town. I don't know if they got snow yet this year. She hasn't complained about digging herself out, so they probably have That's haven't. right. That's yeah. right. That's amazing. So I notice on your beautiful book cover, and this book, you guys can look at it online at Lisa's website, which is harmonized-living.com. That's harmonized-living.com. Or just look up the name of the book, The Culinary Pharmacy, Intuitive Eating, Ancestral Healing, and Your Personal Nutrition Plan. And you have so much great information in here. Let me just ask you one thing. And that is, I notice on the cover, you have beautiful fruits and vegetables and seeds and nuts. Do you discuss animal eating in your book at all? I do. Absolutely. Again, it's so helpful and appropriate to eat certain foods, depending not only on what's going on, right? Meat can be such a healing therapeutic intervention, but also depending on the climate. Trust me, I eat a lot more meat in the colder months in Vermont than I did growing up in the Mediterranean. Right. And that's and that's really being in place with the seasons. Like if you're studying the ancient art of traditional Chinese medicine, you will learn that or in Ayurveda, because um, I definitely think that if people choose a vegan path, they can do that. But most of the vegans that I know who have been doing this, like I'm in my mid 70s. So people who have been doing it like 70 years, they're not that well now, I have no. to say. <laughs> no. There's a reason that the food that the amino acids in animal foods are considered essential. And we can get those from vegan sources. It just requires a lot more attention to food combinations and honestly a lot more volume of food, which most people probably aren't consuming. So very important to be listening and be willing to embrace change when the right. body really needs it. And, and that depends. Sometimes I'll have clients who are strict vegans and I'll ask them, are you doing this for, you know, a spiritual or emotional kind of connection that you have to where you never, ever want to see an animal killed? Or is it for health? And if it's for health, I will tell them that's a wrong path for you. And here's why. You can even see it in blood work. For instance, there's very little heme that's iron in a vegetarian kind of diet. So it would depend. People can make that choice, but there's so much else that you can learn from this book. So we're at the point where we take a little break right here, Lise, and we're going to take a break, listen to a natural medicine chest. And when we come back, I'm looking so forward to asking you more questions so that we can explore the healing power of food with holistic nutritionist, Lise Massey. And we'll be right back with more on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And you can also check out our website at naturalnurse.com. On this edition of The Natural Medicine Chest, we'll discuss the nutrient known as taurine. Amino acids are chemical constituents that form the building blocks of protein in the body. The official definition of an amino acid is a compound which contains an amino group and a carboxylic acid. Taurine contains a sulfonic group instead, so it's not a true amino acid, although it is often referred to as one. The intracellular concentration of taurine is 10 times that of any normal free amino acid. 
Taurine was discovered in 1827, but the significance of taurine in nutrition was not realized until 1975, when the journal Science published a study showing that taurine-deficient cats suffered from retinal degeneration. In 1986, the Annual Review of Biochemistry reported that the amount of taurine present in mammalian milk depends on the species. Natural human mother's milk is rich in taurine, but cow's milk, except for the early milk known as colostrum, is taurine deficient. Pediatrics Journal in 1983 printed a study which outlined several of the biologically significant functions of taurine, and an effort was then made to fortify infant formula by adding taurine. Some species of animals, such as cats, cannot synthesize taurine within their bodies, and so must receive it through their diets. Humans have a very limited ability to synthesize taurine, so adequate intake through diet and supplementation is important. The principal source of dietary taurine is meat of various types and shellfish. Even people ingesting sufficiently high levels of taurine may develop a deficiency due to the overgrowth of certain anaerobic intestinal microorganisms which consume taurine. Certain prescription drugs are known inhibitors of taurine uptake. The Journal of Neurochemistry published a study in 1975 which showed that taurine concentrations are extremely high in the retina. In fact, the retina contains two binding proteins specific for taurine. Research has yet to determine exactly how taurine functions in the eye, but deficiency of taurine has been found to lead to the degeneration of photoreceptor cells. Continued studies on taurine have linked its presence to several biological functions, besides being a protector of the delicate tissues of the eye. Taurine helps to neutralize oxidizing agents caused by ionizing radiation. Taurine is present in high concentrations in the normal heart. It stimulates white blood cell motility and protects cell membranes from free radical damage. Taurine has proven useful in epileptics to reduce or control seizures. It helps modulate the transport of substances such as sodium, potassium, magnesium, copper, and iron across cell membranes. Additional research supports taurine's role in preventing gallstones. So, as you can see, the nutrient taurine may be an important addition to your natural medicine test. We are back. I'm seeing our engineer let us know that we're back on. And this is Ellen Kamai, the natural nurse, inviting you to visit naturalnurse.com and look around. You can join us for our free class. You can sign up now. The class is in February. And if you sign up and miss it, then you can listen to it on an archive. But that's going to be interactive about why you might want to look into becoming an herbalist, even just for yourself and your family to have that knowledge or to become an RH, that's a registered herbalist. Our course is useful towards that. Or become or getting 18 CE units if you are a licensed professional of any kind. Today, we are so happy to have as our guest, the author of a beautiful, super useful book. It's got just amazing recipes in it. I've been looking through it, at least while we were on break there. The Culinary Pharmacy intuitive eating, ancestral healing, and your personal nutrition plan. What do you mean by intuitive eating, Lise? So as we were talking about before the break, with intuitive eating, there is certainly a concept that's out there um, around paying attention to not only interoception, right, your body's internal messages for things like hunger or thirst or needing to be warm or cool, there's this additional level of tuning into what's feeling nourishing in a given moment, right? And so much of intuitive eating conceptually also has to do with turning within so that we're not listening to outside messages, especially from diet culture around food. However, I really believe that at its core, intuitive eating allows us to pay attention to instructive cravings, right? Like not so much cravings for, you know, 
chips or processed foods, but cravings for whole foods or ingredients like cinnamon, right? If I wake up craving something like cinnamon and I read, you know, in this book, for example, the healing properties of cinnamon, I can start to understand, okay, you know, maybe last night I went out to dinner, I ate late, maybe I had a dessert. So actually eating some cinnamon the next morning can help me to regulate my blood glucose and support, you know, detoxifying and regaining homeostasis based on what happened the night before. And that is truly intuitive eating. And it's a practice, I believe, that begins with slowing down as we eat our food and paying attention to how certain foods and certain ingredients resonate in our system. Good explanation. Just sort of being tuned in and getting right. messages and where it might be coming from is like you said, ancestral learning. I really love that word. Absolutely. You also have, I mean, this book is useful even as a recipe book. You have beautiful, very simple whole food recipes in here. That's right. Yeah. And seasonal as well, right? And the more you know about your heritage and which foods were growing wild and being harvested by humans in the lands that your ancestors came from, the more you can explore and experiment with those foods and find out, okay, when I eat these lentils, I feel really calm and grounded and yet I have energy. Or when I eat this cabbage, I feel really gassy and irritated, right? We can get so much information by applying this ancestral wisdom to our bodies here and now to understand which parts and pieces of the foods of our heritage actually apply to our genetics in this body. Good way to describe it. And you do talk about that. Now, you also obviously have studied deeply the ancient teachings, such as Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. And then you bring in something called the Mediterranean way. Now, I've heard of the Mediterranean diet, but I never heard of that term, the Mediterranean way. What do you mean by that? I am, in a way, reclaiming this way of eating that comes from the Mediterranean part of the world without ascribing a diet culture word to it, right? Because the Mediterranean diet existed long before Ansel Keys made it popular and made it into a system to follow, right? And it's my way of saying that that this is a way of life. It's not just about food. It has to do with ritual, with lifestyle, with being in harmony with nature. And it has also profound teachings, just like Ayurveda and Chinese medicine do, about our constitution, which is called our temperament, right? And about how we change through the seasons and through life's changes as well. So I'm trying to expand this kind of common concept or more common concept of the Mediterranean diet into this greater understanding of the Mediterranean way of life. Because when I started studying Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, I really started seeing the parallels between those truly elegant and intricate systems of healing and the one with which I grew up. And I want to help others understand that likely we all have one of those or many of those systems of healing within our own background and ancestry. And we can all tune in and, and start to use those systems, right? Not just with food, but also with other aspects of life. And it has been so lost. I love this chart that you have, which is a modern depiction of the humors diagram. Yes. Which is just beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen this one before. And I'm going to definitely, um, you know, refer to it. And of course, point that we saw it in your wonderful book, which people can you know, look at online as well. The Culinary Pharmacy, Your Recipe for Vibrant Health. Because this chart brings together a lot of what you were talking about in that 
These patterns have been noticed in many of the ancient teachings, such as, you know, adolescent spring, air, sanguine, and blood being on the hot side and the moist side versus the cold and dry, which has so much to do with health and healing. And do you know, in the old days, conventional Western doctors used to touch and smell people. And I now know. they don't. They stand at a computer far away from the patient. And the whole visit is usually about looking up codes. That's like right. there's no knowledge about what's going on with that individual. Absolutely. And I agree with you. This is, you know, the the human connection is it's who we are and so necessary to be able to come back toward that point of connection. And certainly technology is a blessing in many ways and has gotten us really far. And we can't have technology in absence of the human connection. That's what I believe. We can't, but we kind of are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All the way to the point of, you know, all the things I'm reading lately, because I read a lot of content to make sure it's legal for people to put it on their website, which it often isn't. And then they get letters from the FDA and FTC. But when I preview it now, there's a real movement towards all the language sounds the same. And I know it's all AI generated. Um, Very different from the language in your book, which I can see you wrote it, not, you know, <laughs> Miss Computer somewhere. That is true. This is very much a reflection of who I am and my voice and my story. And you do talk about your personal story. So like so many people who have gravitated towards natural wellness, like you have, Lise, had some suffering in their life in terms of health imbalances. You want to share some about that? I really believe in the blessing of illness as much as illness feels so challenging, so devastating for many of us. There's so much to be learned in the reconnection with ourselves and with our bodies in, in this process of healing, right? Which is never linear. It's always cyclical, just like life. And um, it's always going to change us and, and hopefully in ways that we can reflect on as being beneficial and I've had many, many healing journeys in this lifetime. I truly learn from my body. And the work that I do now is very much informed by chronic illnesses that I've had. And I am in service to the plants and the foods that have healed me time and again. I have had chronic intestinal parasites, um, experienced disordered eating, infertility, um, autoimmune conditions, uh, thyroid imbalances, to name a few. And through all of these experiences, I learned so much, not only about my body, but also about ways I can be in service to others to promote their own healing. And you wonder sometimes, why didn't the doctors tell you to change yeah. your diet it's amazing even if you have an intestinal issue you, even at a gastroenterologist or a rheumatologist there's no discussion about what did you eat yet if someone's talking to a natural healthcare provider such as yourself you're going to ask them for a food diary like what are you eating there's no mention of that in western medicine it's an amazing phenomena it truly is and i think you know, one of the things that has happened beyond that shift in the medical community towards research is this fact that um, within specialization, there is such a separation of the organs, right? And ultimately, we're not so much made up of our anatomy, right? Our chopped up parts. We're made up of our body or our somatic being. So we need to understand and appreciate that all of our organ systems are completely interconnected and we can't look at one system in isolation, right? It's like what we digest and assimilate impacts our nervous system 
And our nervous system impacts our capacity to digest and assimilate our food. That's just one example of the deep interconnection. That's so true. Now, what do you mean by the energetics of food? So, so much like what you shared about the herbalism courses that you're offering, foods and plants have the capacity to alter what's going on in a given system. So when it's cold outside, I might like to eat foods and take in herbs that are warming, right? To improve circulation in my system because I do get cold in the winter and to also improve um, GI circulation, right? So warming the stomach, supporting the pancreas to secrete digestive enzymes, helping the liver to send bile to the stomach to break down our food, right? However, when it's hot in the summer or I'm in a warm climate, I might like to eat foods that are cooling and, you know, foods that might even be helping me sweat or might help with lymphatic circulation, cooling down the system in general. And I think actually the Mediterranean way has beautiful ways of describing, you know, am I experiencing moisture, dryness, dampness, or heat? And how can foods energetically help to shift a certain state, right? And we can alter a food's energetics by cooking it, by adding spices to it. But inherently, an apple's always going to be a little cooling, even if it's a baked apple with nice warming cinnamon on top of it. That's a perfect explanation. Do you have a recipe for that in your book? I'm looking at some of the recipes. I don't know Not if you have one for baked, for baked apples, <laughs> but I do on my website for sure. Oh, that's great. Well, we're going to take another little break right here so that our station, which is Progressive Radio Network, you can find that at prn.live, can just tell you more about what you can listen to here. And you know, all of our shows, The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z, as well as Herbally Yours, are broadcast as podcasts. So you can grab them any way, any kind of way, and you can subscribe and get a new one pop up every week. Um, anytime that you'd like, for those of you who know about podcasts more than I know about it. Our guest today is Lise Massey, and she is the author of this wonderful book that you would love to have in your book collection called The Culinary Pharmacy, Your Recipe for Vibrant Health, and her website is harmonized-living.com. We'll be right back with more right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. I guess we're back. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Ellen Kamai, the natural nurse, and we love to hear from you. Go to naturalnurse.com to get in touch. You can email us or do all kinds of other things there, text, et cetera. So today, our wonderful guest is Lise Masse, and she is talking about her book, The Culinary Pharmacy, Your Recipe for Vibrant Health. And while looking through the book, Lisa, there's so many things that I could point out that are really uniquely you. And one that I'd love to share is the fact that you discuss ghee, which is one of my favorite condiments. You know, I studied Ayurveda medicine since uh, well, in the 1980s with Vasant Lad. You might have heard of him. Very... I studied with him as well. He's yeah. such a wonderful human. An excellent Ayurvedic teacher for sure. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And it's great that you that you had the opportunity to do that. And in your book, you're sharing with about ghee. And I love the way you describe the process. Like you can just buy ghee. There's some really excellent ghee that you can purchase in the store, but you actually have a beautiful recipe for making it, which is wonderful. And not only do you talk about it in terms of a super healthy recipe. But then you talk about, I love this line, as you watch your butter separate, notice the constellations that swirl in the rising milk solids. That's so beautiful. And then send a prayer to the cows that grazed on green summer grass and golden winter hay to offer that milk. Absolutely. Yeah, food, food is medicine and food is sacred. And 
that recipe came to me through Dr. Laud and his wife. And I had the great blessing of making ghee with them. And I hope you you try it as well. It's it's a highly digestible, highly lubricating and nourishing fat. It is. And that whole the whole scene of no fat in the diet is really very bad for people's health. You know, fat-free everything, almost everything that has a fat-free label on it. And especially if it has gluten-free, fat-free, and sugar-free, that means it's loaded with toxic chemicals if you read the ingredients. Highly processed, and really that's something we want to get away from, right? And I think truly for every processed food, there's a fad diet to try to counterbalance or counteract the health impacts of that processed food. And ultimately, we don't digest food in absence of all of its components. And we digest carbohydrates far better with the presence of fat in the meal. Highly necessary. Well, with all your great recipes and all the wonderful teachings in your book, The Culinary Pharmacy, Intuitive Eating, Ancestral Healing, and Your Personal Nutrition Plan, one thing I've had to do in my life to be able to eat really healthy all the time, and I would say I do all the time, um, really is planning ahead and preparing food ahead. I know that's not the best. It'd be wonderful to have everything all fresh and made that day, but that would mean I wouldn't have super healthy food available to me. So I prefer to prepare it in advance and use things like freezing and defrosting, even with something like vegetable juice or a whole healthy meal. Do you have any recommendations about that in your book? I do, absolutely. And I think in today's world, planning ahead is crucial to really giving ourselves the nourishment that we need. And there are recommendations in the book about sort of a rotating weekly meal rhythm and what that can look like. And also recommendations about, you know, how to preserve food and how to make sure that you have a list of what you have in the freezer, for example, so that you know how to plan and make sure you have nourishment available for you. Because ultimately, cooking our own food is something that not only reconnects us to the beauty and the alchemy and the sacred ritual of preparing nourishment, but it's also the way to ensure that we're really getting the quality of ingredients that we want for longevity and vibrancy. That's why I prefer pre-planning. And so I really, I have a busy life as many of our listeners do and, you know, can't be home all day cooking every day. So I find that that pre-planning and making things and using the freezer and the refrigerator and then just warming them up. I usually use the top of the stove or in Florida, I'll just take it in the car and everything's nice in room temperature by, you know, three o'clock when it's been in the car. Because you can't really find nourishing food in a minute. I mean, I can't walk into a 7-Eleven and find anything that I would even put in my mouth. Nope. <laughs> so you agree with that. So that's one of the things that's very helpful because I only spend, I would say, two to four hours a week, a week on food prep. That includes shopping, cooking, and preparing little to-go meals that I use glass containers in then I always have really healthy food with me. So that's just a little trick that that I have learned because sometimes people really want to do it. They get home from work at, you know, 6.30 and, and then it's kind of late to start cooking lentils, you know? Yes, indeed. And that's where all these tools really come into play. I often recommend to folks an Instant Pot, which I resisted for many years and then having it, especially with small children, makes a huge difference because it will pressure cook things very quickly and then keep them warm or it will slow cook things. So you can have things, you know, that you put in the night before and are ready for breakfast or things that you throw into the instant pot in the morning while you're having breakfast and they're ready when you get home in the evening. So using our tools wisely is incredibly beneficial if we want to be using food 
and herbs as preventative care, which we might as well be doing because we all eat every day. So we can use that as an intervention tool. Um, absolutely. Instapot, huh? I never heard of that one. <laughs> That's why I've been doing these radio shows so many decades, because you always learn something new. I have <laughs> used slow cookers, but this sounds like another little gadget that I do not have. It's, again, as I said, I resisted it because I have a slow cooker and a pressure cooker, but having the combination and having settings for cooking a porridge, cooking a grain, or cooking a stew, or making broth really makes a huge difference, and it's worthwhile to support ourselves with some of these simple but highly beneficial tools. Well, Lisa, I say thank you so much for putting all that wonderful energy that I know it takes a lot to write a book. I've written 16 of them. It's not an easy thing. You don't <laughs> just do it in a minute. But your book is beautiful, The Culinary Pharmacy, Your Recipe for Vibrant Health. And you can find it basically anywhere on Amazon, et cetera. And it's a very worthwhile book to have. And what, what else do you have on your website at harmonize-living.com? I offer many, many recipes, wellness tools, intuitive eating tools. I also have online classes that you can access anytime about food as medicine, about thyroid health, about resetting your eating. And I also offer a Vibrant Health Academy where folks can get access to a library of books and recipes as well as new moon and full moon virtual classes to stay connected and learn more about your health and wellness from all aspects, not just food. Well, that sounds beautiful. And listeners, you can find that at harmonized-living.com. So thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Ellen, for having me and for the work that you do. I appreciate you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us once again for another edition of The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. We love to hear from you. Just go to naturalnurse.com or Facebook The Natural Nurse and, you know, give us a shout out or send a question. And until next time, this is Ellen Kamai, The Natural Nurse, hoping that you stay healthy.